0: You're listening to the Holistic Nootropics podcast, your home for holistic evidence-based cognitive enhancement strategies. And now your host, Eric Levi. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, where we discuss using nootropics, biohacking, and nutrition to help you boost your cognition. My name is Eric, and on today's show, we have Dave Sherwin, who is a certified fitness nutrition coach and founder of Dairobi.com. His passion is helping grownups navigate real-world health challenges and achieve their best health and wellness at any age. He is also the creator and host of the Dairobi Health Show, which covers everything to do with health and wellness, including the latest in nutrition, exercise, supplements, and clinical studies. Dave, welcome to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast. Thank you, Eric. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I'm so excited to talk to you because I I, uh, just from chatting before and just kind of following your work, I know we have so much in common, uh, so much that I know. The listeners and viewers are going to get a ton of value out of. And I'm so excited to dive into all that. Before we jump into it, just want to give a quick shout out to everybody listening or watching whatever platform you're on. If you enjoy the conversation, if you enjoy the podcast, maybe you've been hanging out a little bit, maybe this is your first time here, please take a moment and remember to subscribe. And if you enjoy what you're listening to or watching, give the episode a big thumbs up. And if you're feeling super passionate, like, man, I want to contribute. I want to give these people all my money, but I just can't do that. What else can I do to help the cause? go on over to Apple podcasts, leave the podcast, a five-star review, leave a nice comment. And if you don't enjoy it, then just avoid that whole part altogether. And the big payoff here is if you are somebody who is into health, wellness, supplementation, nootropics, biohacking, head on over to holisticnootropics.com and download a copy of my free supplement buying guide. This is a fully comprehensive step-by-step guide that walk you through each and every ingredient to watch out for when purchasing supplements and nootropics because as you know Dave as you probably know there is a lot of hot garbage out there the supplement industry is a 120 billion dollar industry and about 119 billion of it gets flushed right down the toilet so if to avoid that problem head on over to holisticneutropics.com. Dave let's get into your story my friend What brought you into this crazy health and wellness space? You've done a lot. You have a very successful podcast and YouTube channel. You're helping thousands of people every day get better with their health and wellness. But I would love to know your origin story. What got you into all this? How did you do this? And, uh, and, And where are you going with all of it?
1: My origin story starts way back. I was a really, really awkward, backwards, shy kid. I mean, I was the, the the wimpy kid who cried on the first day of school. Wanted my mother to take me home. Right. I was not, uh, you know, the social kid who had a bunch of friends. And and I was, I was like skinny and weak. And uh, we had like I, I grew up in Canada where there's like national testing. You know, had, you had these badges. You could earn silver, bronze and an award of excellence for health. And I remember every spring they'd bring those things up and we'd go do all these challenges, long jump and high jump and track and, you know, running a certain distance and all this kind of stuff. And, and I just I was intrigued by it and I kind of wanted to do well at it, but I didn't have any natural ability. But I remember in about sixth grade, some kids were playing on the short basketball hoop with a little ball. I don't remember. It's maybe the size of a softball. They're trying to dunk on the seven foot hoop and we're all just little kids, you know, and I was taller than the other kids. And I was able to dunk this ball in the hoop. And I still remember that was like the first time I did something athletic where I thought, Oh, I can do something other people can't do. And that was like this big thrill uh, to be able to do something athletic. And from that, it led to a love of basketball. And uh, eventually I went on to make the high school basketball team play basketball and was introduced to weightlifting, nutrition, and all the basics of health at that time. And It was really transformative for me to ha- be able to have to play in front of a crowd it was a big deal, really nerve wracking. But to be able to go from the socially backwards kid to developing some talent and some skill and some confidence, all that happened through athletics for me. It was really formative. And my love of athletics led to confidence and ability to do other things. And um, and so it started at a young age and. And through helping me overcome just the basic difficulties of being a kid and being a a teen that's not athletic, you know, I never became a great basketball player, but I did become passionate about health and wellness. And I've just never lost that.
0: That's great. And man, it's so important for kids like to just start young, like don't stress about I mean, health and wellness when you're a kid, you know, that's for the boring adults, right? After we've gone years of like doing the wrong stuff. But if you can foster the love of athletics or just moving and just being active, you know, from a young age, I I think for most people and, and you see it now with the, the amount of people that are in gyms, you know, I don't know if there's been this many gym memberships in the history of, uh, of gyms, mm. you know, uh, and it's probably because from a young age, you know, at least like when I was a kid, like me and my friends, we just played in the streets. We played every sport under the sun. And it wasn't about like, sure. We were competitive and sure you want to be the best, but it was about just yeah. like the fun of just team sports and moving and just having fun as a kid. I think that fosters so much that you can take with you through your life.
1: Right. We need to get that back. The, our workout time needs to become play again to a large yeah. extent, right? Like you don't what 14 year old kid is out there having a blast going, Hey, let me stop. Let me check my heart rate. Where are we <laughs> at here? Right. right? <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not against heart rate monitoring. I of course the biohacking side, but all of it is fun. And, it, and frankly, as a grown up, we have an analytical mind. We become more scientific and you know, all that biohacking stuff is fantastic. But if we have that and we've lost the fun and the passion, then that's where we're going amiss. Cause that's when we're likely to miss workouts. If it's not fun, if it's not satisfying and we're just doing it and it becomes a grind. So it's just, it's just becomes a balancing act. And one of the cool things of being an older athlete now is the fact that we have all this experience. We've been through a lot of, of trial and error. We've maybe had an injury that we should never have had because we had bad form. So we've learned and we've matured. And now we know how to bring it all together, how to use good form, wisdom, how to eat well. We now know so much about sleep that we didn't used to know. All these things are coming together. So when we can combine our, our scientific brain with our fun-loving artistic side, our, our, you know, and just go out and have a good time and bring all of that into one package, that's when it, it really, you know, Uh, becomes fun and satisfying and gives us the longevity and the strength and the cardio and all those things we're looking for.
0: So how do you then relay that passion to somebody who, you know, they, they want to lose weight. Of course they want to lose weight. They want to get everybody, you know, we're, we're recording this year. It's in January. And of course, everybody has their new year's resolutions and uh, what is it like the third or fourth week of January. And now of course, probably at least 80% of people with, a new year's resolution to lose weight, they've probably given up on it. You know, they probably made their one or two times to the gym and it's like, you know, they, they were hell bent on making it a habit and then it just fell off because of life. Um, but I feel like there's more behind that. So, so can you talk a little bit about like what you see with people you work with as far as like the top reasons why people can't stick to that, to that sort of resolution?
1: I think the biggest problem we have in our modern Western society when it comes to health is shiny object syndrome. I think there's just too many people who've been too exposed for too long to marketing schemes of one sort or another, you kind of alluded to it to the the the, the, nasty, the the bad side of the supplement industry earlier. The same is true with almost any product that's sold, and I don't care if it's a car or a weight loss program or a supplement. Uh, marketers out there, they want to share messages with us that are stories that evoke emotion, that make us want a thing for a certain benefit, and that type of thinking has really come full circle to destroy a lot of people's health plans because they get sold that this will give them six pack abs. So they do this, they don't get six pack abs, and now they go look for the next thing that will help them lose 40 pounds or be able to do a muscle up or whatever the thing is that they're seeking, someone is selling something that promises to deliver that. And what almost no one is selling is simplicity, a very, very basic plan that if you do this day in and day out, you'll be at your ideal body weight, be very healthy. Everything will be really great, but it's totally mundane. Mundane doesn't sell. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm trying to do is help people master the mundane. I tell people, look, really great health looks boring. It's not shiny object. It's not one supplement. It's not one workout routine. It's not keto. You take all those one word things, Mediterranean, keto, right? Six pack abs, this supplement, nootropics, vitamins, minerals, you know, ginkgo biloba, garcinia, right? All, All these buzzwords, all these names, all these products, all this stuff. Many of those can have their place in your plan And your plan doesn't have to be complex. Right. And so my major message is to develop a very simple plan and live it day in and day out, even though it's not shiny, doesn't seem that great and doesn't feel like it's giving you huge results. But And yet in a year you look back, you're like, oh, all those plans you wasted money on, you know, you didn't have to spend a dime. You just had to follow the basics for long enough. And that is the plan that works. And I'm dealing with it right now. I'm dealing with all those people. I just kicked a lady out of our Facebook group. <laughs> I rarely, rarely do that. Right. But in this one particular case, um, she was such a an example of this, of, Hey, I tried this. It didn't work. It's terrible. Um, almost like accusing me of fraud, committing some kind of fraud somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, it is freaking halfway through January, right? Yeah. You are two weeks in and whining and moaning to my Facebook group that something doesn't work after two weeks and I, you're gone. Right. I don't need to deal with it. I want to deal with grownups. Right. Right. And so, um, I'm sorry to t- vent my frustration here. No, it's great. Phone. This is, this is gold. I love it. Please <laughs> keep going. I love the drama. This, this is the type of thing we need to get rid of. Yeah, we need to get rid of people like that from our lives. We need to get rid of marketers, including myself. I, I, if I oversell, any of my products to anyone i am sorry right this is something we tend to do as human beings we get excited about our program we're so excited we want other people to have success and maybe we do oversell maybe we're all guilty of this at some point we all have something to sell right if you're married you've sold something and you 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 closed a deal right and uh we all are constantly selling something somehow some way but In the marketing world, a lot of that has been overdone, overhyped, and um, we need to just kind of be able to settle down into a plan and, and the silver bullet is the comprehensive plan. It's not the supplement. It's not the workout. It's not the diet. It's not the sleep. It's not the water. It's all of them as a plan done consistently 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365, right? And that is the shiny object. The shiny object is a system that you can live within with foods you enjoy, workouts you enjoy, supplements that work. And when all of it comes together, that's when you reach your goal. Not one of those things is the solution. They're all a piece of the puzzle and you need all pieces.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm so happy you shared that, especially with that specific example, because that is a huge problem. It's always been a problem in the health and wellness space. Everybody's wanted to lose weight, I mean, forever. And they go, I want to look like that person. And I want to lose this belly fat. And I want my, yep. I want to have more energy and more of this and more of that. So what am i going to do, I'm going to go to the GNC and i'm going to walk down the aisles and every aisle has something that says this is for brain health this is for weight loss this is for and you've probably seen the commercials and you saw like this fat burner pill like my god the amount of the amount of affiliates out there selling fat burner pills making a killing off of selling these things and you know people take them and they go it's not working you know and it's like well yeah because you can't rely on a pill to to lose weight to give you that ideal body because you know what i find in in health and wellness and i wasn't going to go this way, this direction but it really is true that your outer your, the way you look on the outside is a true reflection of of who you are and the beliefs you hold on the inside and if you are feeling rushed if you're feeling anxious if you're feeling impatient then that that 15 pounds of stubborn weight is never going to come off you know it might come off for a small bit but you know it goes on just as fast as it came off, it might even add more to it because if you don't implement the right habits and the right attitude towards health and wellness, um, by mastering the basics, then, um, you're going to, you're going to struggle a lot. And I see it a lot.
1: I talked about slowing down to go fast with people. We talk about this in our business. It's, it sounds like a contradiction, slow down to go fast. But the fact is, uh, you talked about that person. Uh, I, I like that they had the idea to lose 15 pounds. And then they headed to the GNC. Well, what they should have done in my opinion, or maybe there's a few other things they they could have done. I don't know everyone. I don't know the answer for everyone. We're all trying to figure that out ourselves, but let me tell you one way before you rush out anywhere. And before you buy a single thing, spend that time and sitting sitting down with a pad of paper or your iPad or however you take notes and write the word why at the top and go, I, I'm feeling like I want to lose 15 pounds, why? Now, the first answer might be, well, I want to fit in my skinnier jeans, those jeans that are too tight right now, I, I liked, I, I want those to fit. Now you write down underneath, I want to fit in my skinny jeans, You write Why again, why do I want to fit in my skinny jeans? Oh, because uh, when I did, I'd been going to the gym and I felt really good, And I I felt like I was a better version of myself. Okay. So we really want to get in the skinny jeans, not because we want to fit in the skinny jeans, but because the skinny jeans were a time in our life when we were doing some good habits. Okay. Why do we want to get back to that? And, And we call this the five whys. And it's kind of hard, actually. And it might take an hour. But if you sit down and you can really go inside and you can really get to the bottom of why, 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 why five times and really figure that out. What is really your underlying true motive and what it is that you truly want? Cause a lot of people don't know what they want, right? These are just whims. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's time to lose 20 pounds, but they'd never really dive into why and what would, what would, what they really, really want. And so spending that quality time, first of all, determining exactly why, and then, Again, before you go to the GNC, okay, how? So for me, so here's what I really, really want. Now, how? What's the best plan for me to follow? So again, you're not going to the Google, looking for someone else's plan, looking for that ad that promises the six-pack abs in six weeks. Maybe write down what you're, you know what I found is, uh, Eric, everyone has a superpower already. Everyone has a health superpower I love to bring this out with people in my own coaching. I love to start with, what are you already really good at? What, what What do you do well that maybe is something easy for you that you know a lot of people struggle with? A lot of people have that. I, ha- I like to have them start there. Like, f- for example, some people have trouble getting themselves to the gym every day. Other people love the gym. They might They might eat junk, right? That might be their Achilles heel is in the kitchen. And for others, it's the opposite. But from the why... And learning what we really, really want. We then want to develop our own plan. And, and yes, we might use the Google and we might find a guru uh, of, or a coach. Uh, but really, a lot of people already kind of know. They, they kind of know. They know, what, they know what they shouldn't be eating. They know they need to exercise. And then from there, they can just create a simple plan and then uh, work on that plan. So that's the kind of thing I try to do is back people up to the basics and then start with a plan that's devoid of shiny object syndrome. Mm
0: -hmm. That's excellent. I I think that's really good. And a lot of people need that. I, I, I look at it like weight loss as a side effect, because when you really start Mm -hmm. living that intentional life, you know, and you find, you know, the thing that you're capable of doing, like a lot of people, you can't tell them, we got to go to the gym five days a week. I mean, that's just not possible. They might love the gym. They might not have time. Like I'm, I'm in a I mean, for the last couple of years, especially since the pandemic started, I didn't have access to a gym, but I love the gym so much that I just found a way to do it. Like I got one kettlebell and, you know, when everything was closed, I was literally going behind... Um, my apartment building and if there's like a beach back there, and I would just grab a freaking rock and I would do like <laughs> goblet squats with a giant rock, and I would do like thrusters with a giant rock. Like I could not be stopped, but I was like, I just have to move, I just have to do it. And it's not like I have a goal, I have to make this, I have to lose this weight. It was just my mindset was I love to do this movement. I love to be outside, I love to get the sun, I love to sweat. And so if I foster that and I just allow that to become a habit the weight loss is going to come, the shreds going to come, the six packs going to come, all of it's going to come. But I, I would have found much less success if I would have said, okay, what do I need to do specifically to have a six pack abs? Because those, those, that equipment wasn't available to me, you know? So it was the drive to just be enjoying what I'm doing allowed me to get to that goal faster than saying I have to have six pack abs and here's how I'm going to do it. Yeah, successful
1: people are process driven, not results driven. So the result is important, but the process uh, successful people are able to adopt the processes that will get them to the result and follow the processes for long enough. Unsuccessful people really think they want the result and they think about the result all the time. They get on the scale all the time. They're thinking a lot about losing the 15 pounds and they're not thinking so much about drinking water today and eliminating unhealthy carbs overcoming the soda addiction. Right. And so we need to make that shift. That's part of the shiny object syndrome is being able to back up and trust a process that will get us to the result and let the result come when it will. Now there is evidence though, weight loss is an interesting thing. Neither you or I are 40 pounds overweight right now. Right. So it's kind of, it might be hard for us to relate to, but when you're 40 pounds overweight, it is harder right? And every five pounds you lose makes exercise so much better. I mean, if you're, if you're fit, imagine strapping a five pound weight around your waist and doing the workout you were going to do today, right? It will be harder. You'll really notice it. It'll be surprising when you take that five pound weight off. you will be like, Oh man, I, I feel mm-hmm. so much better without that five pounds. And so the person who's 45, 40 pounds overweight, is it a disadvantage? I do encourage people to temporarily go for some initial weight loss. One of the reasons why is I want to take advantage of the human nature that there's times when people are motivated to lose weight and there's times when they're not in my mind. I believe that a lot of people are pretty good at losing weight where, where they're, what they're not good at is continuing into the process. Right. And so I think, you know, the old, the old saying, strike while the iron is hot is valid. I think that if you can drop 20 quickly, right? That could be a good short-term goal. And if you're doing it by using the same thing that you're going to, uh, mold into your ongoing plan. So for, for example, I teach people to make sure and drink half their body weight in ounces of water every single day. Now, do I only drink water? I don't, I'm, I'm, I, I I generally avoid unhealthy drinks, but I can, uh, have a, a treat I'll have a diet soda now and then, or a juice or something. But if someone's wanting to lose weight, I tell them, look, just don't drink anything but water short-term. I know you know, you might want alcohol on a Friday night or whatever, but for the next month, let's just go really, really clean. Okay. You can keep up your enthusiasm for a month. Most people can a month or two or even three. Many people can be a little more extreme for a short period of time. So oftentimes you want to start the weight loss customer off, With a rapid weight loss protocol, but do it with the same principles that they're going to keep for the rest of their life. Drinking lots of water, eating slowly and mindfully, intermittent fasting, eating healthy carbs, fats, and protein. So there's another great example. Can you never have another treat in your life? No. But if you're on a weight loss plan, maybe for the next blank period of time, For you know yourself, how long can you be really dedicated for? Can you go without sugar for three weeks? So how about in three weeks, you try to lose some weight? So we do a a short-term, very strict plan of eliminating sugar and junk food, eating healthy carbs, fats, and proteins, knowing that we don't have to do it forever. A a reasonable health plan can include a treat uh, now and then, later. But during your fat loss phase, be as strict as possible. So. I am a fan of a short-term rapid weight loss while starting down this path of the really good discipline. And then over time, you kind of can adapt. So instead of being hundred percent strict and only drinking water, which is very, very boring for most people, uh, you do it for as long as you can stand. And then we start to ease things up. And then we go for that process orientation that you talked about, where the weight loss, we shift from focusing on weight loss To focusing on process, easing things up, but going with the the basics now and letting the rest of the weight loss happen naturally.
0: And I think there's a component, too, of you have to change people's mindset of food because people have a really Mm. distorted way of thinking about food as um, as almost like identity you know, like every day I eat this, you know, I remember uh, a health coach who, um, you know, I'm friends with, they were saying like, I'm working with a client and they will not give up their afternoon, like Turkey sandwich or whatever it was like, they, it was uh, like a bologna sandwich. It's like something that, you know, it's like, if you just got rid of that thing, you, this would, this would be a, a benefit to you. Cause it could help you. Um, and for a lot of people, I find that If you, what I tell people is if you just master the first hour of your day, the rest of your day is a cakewalk and you don't crave all the stuff that you crave because physiologically your body doesn't need it. You know, your body craves sugar. Because for a lot of people, first thing in the morning, they jump on the glycemic roller coaster and they start the day off with like, look at all the breakfast foods. All the breakfast foods are full of sugar and high glycemic carbohydrates. And, you know, if you've been eating cereal your whole life, you know, if you were, if you were like, you know, like I was like 28 years old eating golden grams first thing in the morning, like how are you expected to not carry on the rest of the day and eat right? eat the right foods, you know? Um, which is why one, my, one reason I love intermittent fasting or time restrictive feeding, because it is a, a a useful tool for that. But you know, when you, when you can help people get out of this mindset of like, I have to eat a bowl of golden grams first thing in the morning, or I have to have three cups of coffee first thing in the morning. If you can say, look, if you can hold that first cup of coffee off for like to be up for two hours instead of within the first hour, you will make a world of difference. If you don't need a bagel in the morning and maybe substitute that for something more high protein, the rest of your day will be much easier with the food.
1: Okay. I'm going to push back a little bit on that. Sure. Okay. There's different coaching philosophies that come in here. Now, one of the things um, people need to be ready for a thing. Okay. Like for example, I mentioned the person who's ready to lose weight. I want to take advantage of that and Run down that track as far as they can, because people can hold their motivation for a certain period of time. None of us remain motivated forever. None of us is highly motivated every single day. We're all human. We're all emotional. And we're all on a roller coaster. We all go through a death in the family, a divorce. We go through problems. We go through stuff. Life has stuff, right? And at certain times, we're ready for a thing. And at certain times, we're not. One of the questions I'll ask people is, what are you not ready to give up? If the person tells me, look, I, I I'm drinking six diet Cokes a day. I know I shouldn't be drinking six diet Cokes a day, but I've tried to quit. It's my Achilles heel. Now I just asked them a question. What are you not ready to give up? And the first thing that popped in their mind is their six diet Cokes. You know, what I tell them you're going to keep the six diet Cokes for now. You already know it's a problem. I know it's a problem, but guess what? There's lots of other things we can do. Now guess what happens mentally? They, Oh, Oh, you're not going to make me give up my six diet Cokes right now. No, I'm not. Because when I asked you, what are you not ready to give up? It's the first thing you said. Now, there's a lot we can do around your six diet codes. So let's talk about what we can do. And we can introduce, are you ready to make all your other drinks water? Are you ready to do intermittent fasting? Are you ready to eliminate unhealthy carbs, right? So what we want to do is is kind of um, start with where a person is at. It's kind of like what you said about the natural weight loss the same is true with some health, uh, some unhealthy cab, uh, unhealthy habits uh that through our natural uh, as we adopt these good healthy habits in other ways and we elevate ourselves in one area then the unhealthy habit that we've been fighting for years often becomes easier as we develop skill in other areas around it where one day naturally like uh ah, i I'm going to skip this diet Coke right now. Mm-hmm. I don't need that right now. Um, and so I do think we have to be sensitive to that as coaches, that if we are asking them to give up or change too much, too fast uh, that, that, uh, that person may not last. And so we do have to be sensitive to that and and allow people grace. Right. Um, and, and identify those areas that are, emotionally wound up in their life, the the bowl of golden grams. I got to have my golden grams. Okay. How about though, if we delay it till 11 o'clock in the morning, can Mm -hmm. we do that? You can keep the gold grams, but do not eat them at 7. a.m. How about that? And that's a compromise. A lot of people can make. And so um, we want to work with people where they're at.
0: A hundred percent agree. I I, I absolutely agree. Um, You know, I think one thing as one of the biggest mistakes that health coaches make is you know, I think a lot of health coaches they 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 get into it because they go, "This thing worked for me, so this is going to work for everybody." Right. And then what they do is they're instead of um, you know, instead of helping, they're evangelizing. Um, there's actually a great yes. book. It's called um, oh, it's I forget it's called like the story. Oh, it's a it's a marketing book. Um, and basically what it is though, it's, it's got a lot of interesting psychology where, um, story brand, that's what it's called by this dude, Donald wow. Miller. And, uh, he, Sounds interesting. Know, it's really interesting because he talks about, um, you know, he's, he's helped with, uh marketing for a lot of, uh, you know, fortune 500 companies and all this stuff, but his approach to marketing isn't like, Hey, you know, you have to beat customers over the head with the way that you want them to think instead Instead of you being the hero, you make them the hero yeah. and you are the guide. And as health coaches, that's what we are. We're not the person's hero, we're their guide. So if they're right. not ready to go somewhere, you can't, as a guide, take them to that place. So yeah. in the case of the Diet Cokes, you're right. Like, hey, six Diet Cokes, that's non negotiable. Uh, I wanna lose weight, I wanna get healthy you know, I want to lower my cholesterol. I want to lower my blood sugar, but I'm not going to give the six diet cokes. What else can we do? Well, great news, dude. There are literally (laughs) endless amounts of things we could do. um, Which is why I think one of the most valuable tools that I have as a health coach. And I know, um, you know, kind of people in my circle of health coaches do is a food and mood journal, because what you Mm. do is you have people write down what they eat throughout the day. uh, And then you have them write the way they feel within that time block. So, if a person, you know, again, I like to work with people who they're not just trying to lose weight, but they're like dealing with depression or anxiety. I mean, this is like a rampant problem right now. You know, a lot of people have a lot of issues um, emotionally and it's really amazing when somebody starts writing down that's that, you know, that, that third bowl of golden grams, And in that time block, or I'm saying uh, that third diet Coke, and then somewhere in that time block, they go, I just got really depressed. I just started feeling really depressed. I don't know why like two o'clock rolls around and I just start feeling really sad. I don't know why, or I start feeling really hopeless or I start this dark cloud kind of rolls in or, or I start feeling really anxious and I feel like I'm never going to get what I want. And I feel like I'm stuck and all And I start panicking and it's like, well, let's look back at all of the chemicals you put in your body because we forget food is chemicals and your body's a chemistry lab. What, what chemicals did you add into the equation? And let's see if you can start connecting those dots. And there is a, there is a magical thing where we, as humans, that when we put the hand on the pen and the pen to the paper, the brain starts, starts, um, alchemizing all of these things. And Man, it's, it's pretty amazing to, it's, it's a pretty useful tool. And that way you don't have to say, dude, you got to give up those six diet Cokes. You're never gonna lose weight. You go, dude, write down how those six diet Cokes make you feel. And let's start slower with some other things. And then slowly they'll start to realize and make those decisions themselves. Yeah.
1: And this is a nootropic show. So let's talk about caffeine for a minute. Can we? Absolutely. People do not realize, or maybe they do. I don't know. One of the most basic nootropics is caffeine. Now, caffeine is a really interesting thing. And I have found through my research and personal experience with other people that caffeine can be broken down into thirds among demographics. About a third of people, and there are many studies that back this up, about a third of people will perform better athletically and cognitively on caffeine. It's a known fact. Another third, Will not, but they won't have any negative effect or they might have mild negative effects or a tiny little bit of positive effect, but it doesn't just, it just doesn't do much for them. And another third of people do not do well on caffeine and should avoid caffeine. And interestingly, some people, when they take caffeine, the negative effect they have is extreme tiredness. It puts them to sleep. We all have a different way of processing caffeine. And so there's all this guilt and all this different stuff about caffeine. Now, back to what you said earlier about the way we as human beings work. We tend to think, well, this doesn't work or this does work or this doesn't work for me. And so it doesn't work for anybody. Now, caffeine is one of these areas where the fact is it. Metabolizes differently among various groups of people, so it's a really good one to figure out how well it works for you. I have a product right here that I enjoy. It's called Focus Up. It's by a Virginia company called Zuma uh, Worldwide. I found this company years ago, and I've loved it. It has caffeine, and this is like my morning cup of coffee. Okay, where a lot of people love a cup of coffee as a pick me up. Uh, this is a uh, uh, a brain um, enhancing, I guess. Uh, type of product. I also like it as a pre-workout. So personally, I thrive on caffeine. Give me a 200 milligram pre-workout drink and I'll have a better workout. But I totally understand that to another person, that's the worst possible thing that they could do. So for those of you listening, uh, I, I think that this is a a great area of personal experimentation to decide you may be feeling very guilty about your caffeine intake. When in fact, it's just good for you. Your metabolism loves it and you, you can learn through your own experimentation. Now the FDA used to advise to take no more than 600 milligrams a day of caffeine. They have changed that down. I think largely at the, um, uh, the, the behest of the mile clinics is in a lot more a lot of research and, and long ago to establish a 400 milligrams of caffeine was the good daily max. I tend to agree with that. So if I have a 200 milligram pre-workout, I, I pay attention to that and I try not to have more than 200 more milligrams in the course of a day. So that's some really good advice because if you take too much caffeine, of course there can be negatives, hypertension and, um, other negative, uh, consequences. Um, and just overstimulation of our, our, mind, uh, and even, you know, lead to us being an anxious and, and awful person to be around. Right. So mm-hmm. there are limits to caffeine, but, uh, doing your own personal experimentation with caffeine as a nootropic, I think is a smart thing to do and understand how much is good for you. How much is too much, um, maybe air towards a natural drink as I have done versus, uh, something that's more unhealthy. And, uh, maybe, maybe for some people listening, this kind of alleviates some guilt, maybe they feel guilty taking in any caffeine. I don't know, but it, it's such a, a interesting topic because it works so well for some people and not at all, uh, for others. And so this is one of those areas where, uh, it's just worth taking the time to figure out which camp you fall into and whether it's helping you or not.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I, it, caffeine is an interesting one because it's at the end of the day, it's a, it's actually a drug you know, it's a, it's a drug and, um, it is highly individual and it's so controversial in the medical literature because I remember a time I don't, I, you know, I don't, paid that much attention anymore but i feel like it was almost like every week it was like coffee's great for you coffee's gonna kill you coffee's great for you coffee's <laughs> gonna kill you coffee's great for you guys and it just went back and forth caffeine this caffeine that um mm-hmm. you know and we have to remember too caffeine comes in a lot of different packages you know like you're yep. drinking it in that in that blend you know so a lot of people drink it in coffee a lot of people drink it in soda a lot of people drink it in yep. fufu coffees with a lot of sugar and whipped cream and all this stuff. Right? Can come right. in chocolate. Can come in. It's, right. it's just it's endless. Right? Comes in green tea and then there's all that stuff. Right? Um, personally, you know, I look at caffeine like, what is your purpose for using it? You know, um, yeah. I'm fortunate in a way where. I, you know, I've run my genetics. I know I have the, the slow CYP 182 gene. Or I think that's what it's called CYP 182, um, where it takes my body a while to metabolize. it. so I have to make sure that if I'm going to intake caffeine, that it is really before 10 or 9 AM, um, because it can disrupt my sleep. And I know that because I wear the right. aura ring, which by the way, if you are messing with nootropics or, you know, any diet, anything like that, uh, a whoop or an aura ring is great because you want to see how this stuff affects your sleep. And I think for me personally, I know we were saying like, we don't have to be biohackers, but I think tracking this sort of stuff is important. So you can physically see like this food does that this drink does that it is what it is, but coming back to caffeine, it's really, what is your purpose for caffeine? I, you know, I've mastered my health to a point, like I said, for me, that the morning is really where I gauge everything. I try to master that first hour. And my whole thing is, you know, coming, taking a step back from biohacking, I don't need a fitness tracker because I know when I wake up, I'm feeling it or I'm not feeling it. And Mm. I tell people, the, my personal goal is to feel like I, when I wake up in the morning, I'm shot out of a cannon. I have drive, I have motivation, I have purpose, and I can carry that through the day. I don't need caffeine, I don't need stimulants to get up in the morning. I have that natural energy, and that's how I gauge myself. But are you yep. somebody who you need caffeine to get out the door? Can you literally not lift your head? up in a vertical position without several cups of coffee or energy drinks or whatever it is, then there's something caffeine, isn't your issue. There is something more foundational going on that probably is probably dealing with blood sugar. Um, you know, probably for a lot of people now it's toxicity of of environmental chemicals or mold, um, autoimmune disorders, things like that, uh, emotional disorders. We have to get at the heart of that. And then, Again, I would never demonize caffeine. I would never say, don't drink caffeine. If you need it, you need it. If you love it, you love it. I use it as a nootropic specifically. But Uh if you need it to function, now we have to talk about well, what else is going on? Because if we can, if we can clear up that other stuff, then man, you put the caffeine on top of this new good feeling you, you're a whole new person and your life will literally change.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I'm glad you clarified about. The packages caffeine comes in, which often are unhealthy. It's everything around the caffeine, the the, the latte at Starbucks with, you know, three inches of, of whipped cream on top and a bunch of sugar. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but an area for for uh, experimentation personally. And um, and so again, I'm not, I'm not selling caffeine as a matter of fact, if anything, I'm trying to help people understand that for one, if you're a good metabolizer of caffeine and you're enjoying it, go ahead, just understand the limits, try to send her the 400 milligrams a day. And, uh, and I also like where you clarified if you're needing it, like if you wake up and you're like dragging yourself to the kitchen, cause you got to get caffeine to get your day going. That is a problem too. For me, it's not like that. I wake up feeling good, mm-hmm. but I feel better, uh, after I have a pre-workout for workout or a a caffeinated drink it just kind of picks me up keeps me going for the first 4 hours of the day and I don't that, that's just just me but uh, I've been doing that for a long long time um and I find also that mentally like you I start my day the the, the first 3 hours of my day are the most important by far um I've I've got a 6 year um um, track, a uh, six year history now of meditation first thing in the morning. And, and that's been really healthy for me. Um, I walk my dog for 30 minutes. I meditate. Um, and also in my business, I have people offshore, uh, doing various tasks. And so much of the important work in my business is being done overnight. And so, uh, I'm often checking on that and, and communicating with them before they go to bed. And so some of the most important work I get done in the day is is first thing in the morning and my meditation. And one of the things I've learned through my own podcast, like you, I'm a podcaster and and it's just like having free coaching because everyone I interview has so much great information uh, that that I I feel like I get more out of it than anybody else. And one of the the things that has come clear to me uh, through all this, and as our society learns more about mindfulness and we're becoming more meditative and it's becoming more obvious that uh, we have a lot of anxiousness and depression and maybe many conditions in our society uh, because we've become unmindful, anxious, non-sleeping people. Um, The point of meditation is not to become a great meditator. The point of meditation is to become more mindful in our daily life, to take from our sitting into our daily life mindfulness, And I have found that meditating right before my workout and then doing mindful meditation, I'm sorry, mindful exercise has been fantastic. I I exercise an hour a day, seven days a week, um, varying intensities. I do a couple of recovery days where it's yoga or just straight mobility uh, for that whole hour. And a couple of them are very heavy and a couple of them are moderate. So between the seven, there's, there's a variety and I'm getting cardio strength, endurance, quickness, all, all the various aspects of, of, of fitness. I've worked into my, my weekly plan. I'm 55 years old and I've had my share of injuries over the years. And looking back, many of those injuries are because I didn't have good movement and, Mm. and moving carefully and mindfully through our workout in every motion is an art. If you go to the gym and you watch people exercise and you have any experience at all about movement, you know, go to the squat rack and sit for an hour. <laughs> if you, you guys want to see what I mean, but what you will notice is a huge variety in the way people move and the quality of their movements. Uh, and it's easy to see in other people, but it's hard to see in ourselves or to feel or experience. And so I found that. My habit of meditation has been wonderful in and of itself, but then to move into very mindful exercise where I'm not distracted, where I'm making sure I focus on really excellent, high quality mindful movements has really made a big difference in my my fitness plan. And so I'm less likely to be injured, less likely to do something quickly or unmindfully or distractedly. And when your movement quality is really excellent, um, that makes a huge difference in the quality of your overall fitness. And then, of course, that plays into the rest of your life as well. If you can do all of your work mindfully. I used to pride myself on multitasking. Now I pride myself on single tasking to completion on tasks. And I find that to be much uh, a much better habit than trying to do four things at once, mm-hmm. right? So so that for me has really changed a lot of things. My habit of meditation has has helped me to, to change uh, in a lot of other areas of my life. I tend to do less, but have more success in certain things that I set out to do than I, than I used to do when I felt like a more busy person. And so a habit of meditation, I think, is is really foundational to overall health.
0: I I, a hundred percent on board. I mean, meditation and yoga, I mean, changed my life. Uh, I've been doing it now uh, it's probably actually like 10 years now that I've, um, not a consistent practice meditation. I've, I've been fairly consistent yoga. I, I kind of come in and out. Um, but, uh, it's funny because my now wife, when we were first dating, you know, she was, she got her yoga certificate and that's how I got into it. Cause I was her practice student and we would be walking and she would just look at me and she'd be like, why are you slouching? I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, you walk oh. with a hunch. And I had no idea, you know, and I'm like, I just got my entire life just walking with this hunch because I, Spend so much time, like literally physically, like looking down at the ground when I walk, and it was like, okay, well, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a thing I could work on, and just years and years of being in down dogs and working on back bends and these sorts of things. You know, yes, I get it. Like the the meathead will look at that and be like, who cares about that? but you don't realize like the meathead is also the first one to tweak their back and then just live a whole lifetime with back issues and knee issues. I have dealt with no knee issues or back issues. You know, I, I'm in my forties now and I deal with none of that stuff. Um, and I, and I'm incredibly active, uh, you know, I'm hitting the gym five days a week and I'm, you know, it's like, whatever it is, what it is. I walk, I do all this stuff. Um, and so, yeah, mobility is, especially as you age is so important and, to tying it back to emotional health. Like there is a connection. I don't have the clinical study in front of me, but there is a connection between the way that your body moves and the way you feel, you know, when you spend your life walking and you're constantly looking down and you're looking, you know, kind of below the horizon, um, you're not as, Happy. You're not as fulfilled as when you walk with uh with a little bit of a pep in your step, with your chest held high, with your shoulders kind of back, you know, with your with a with a flexible back. Um, I have a pull-up bar in my apartment. Again, pandemic couldn't go to the gym anymore. So I put a pull-up bar in my apartment and I hang from it every day. Every day I just hang from it and just let my back elongate. And you know, when I get done, like the first thing that happens is I let go of that bar and it's like deep breath. It just hits you. Like you don't even try, just deep breath in and out and i mean at the core of everything that is what gets your day going so yeah love it absolutely
1: yeah and you hit on something else that's been really good for me and that is that uh in, in my prior life my less mindful life a warm up was something to get out of the way so i could do the real workout right and and cool down was almost never and and what, what you find when you become more mindful and you're doing everything mindfully, including your warm-up, is that the warm-up can be so much more than a warm-up. And it and you know, my warmup now is mobility every single day. And so it's really valuable to my overall health. And instead of trying to get it over with anymore, I have a really good, you know, it takes me 10 or 15 minutes to go through my mobility routine before I work out. But now instead of trying to like get that out of the way it's become something that I do very purposefully and mindfully and well every single time. And so, for example, I used to do a lot of counting. Okay, I'm gonna do 10 sets of this. Okay, so grab the kettlebell, uh, cross-handed bent over row, right? So uh, lean forward, grab the bell. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. Change hands, knock off 10. It's different now. Now I might bend over and start going. And, go, and how does that feel? I might start quite slow and then I'll do as many as I need to do on that side. And then I'll go to the other side. And so I finally I do less counting, but more being in tune with what's going on. How many do mm-hmm. I need to do today? How long do I need to stay? Instead of doing all of the exercises on my list, I might, I, I, like the other day, for example, I do weighted 90 90s. I love that exercise. I'm a golfer as far as hip strength and everything. That's one of the best exercises you could do. And, um, and typically I just do that for a few minutes each day. And the other day I was like, Oh man, I need this. And I sat back into those for probably 10 solid minutes and just did a weighted 90-90 back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And that's something I never used to do, but now with this, like just bringing the mindfulness into it, where instead of, checking off lists or counting things. You're just, you're doing what your body needs each day. Or you might be, well, I'm going to be doing pull-ups later. So I really need to loosen up and work on my shoulders. So I spend more time on that because of what you're going to do later. And so this whole concept of bringing your mindfulness into your routine means, first of all, being fully present with the whole routine from beginning to end, being more fully present with every movement. Every squat I do very carefully, you know, and I want to make sure my back is in the right position and that my feet are in the right position and that my knees are are working correctly. Right. And all these things are things that, um, yeah, you can just knock them off and check them off the list. Uh, but you get so much more out of your, your workout when every single one of them is done with intention and mindfulness and presence.
0: Yes. I love it. That's, I mean, that's so true. And I think that's a good place to to wrap things up here. Um, You know, this has been such a fun conversation. Uh, I love just talking about just general health and wellness stuff like this, you know, like just kind of tying everything back to the beginning, you know, like we overcomplicate our health and our 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 plans and we're going for the bright shiny objects and we all want to biohack and get the latest greatest you know wearable or gadget or or supplement and you know boost our NAD and live forever but meanwhile we're not like living well in this moment, you know, so instead of living, you know, 90 really healthy, great years, we want to live 150 miserable, tough inflamed years. So, (laughs) um, again, I love just, just tying things back to the basics like this. I love your approach, Dave. Um, you know, before we sign off, can you, can you talk a little bit about your, uh, you know, your Dairobi health show and, and kind of what you got going on over there?
1: Yeah, yeah. I've done over 180 episodes now on the Dirobi Health Show. I absolutely love it. It's like I told you, I love interviewing experts just like you do. I get more out of it, I feel like, than anybody else. Uh, but I've had some really great people. You know, James Lawrence, who has the world record in Ironman triathlons, uh, has been on my show. I've got uh, New York Times best selling authors. I've got people of everyone from neuroscience uh, to nutrition, fitness, meditation. Uh, Thomas McConkey was on my show. Um, um, uh, uh, Noah Rashetta, who has the number two top uh, uh, Buddhist uh, podcast in the world. So I've had some very interesting guests. It's been wonderful. If people want to check that out. It's the Dairobi Health Show, D-I-R-O-B-I. I also have some good resources I'd like to share, Eric. Um, Yes, please. uh, On Dairobi.com, on the resources page, there's some free downloads you can get. Uh, One of them is called the Dairobi Undiet. That's where I've distilled the seven principles that I teach everybody. And I I think they will work for anyone. There's a one pager. If you just want to print it out and put it on your fridge, uh, all the principles that we teach all of our clients, the seven principles of success for, for health. Um, And then there's a 10 page PDF also, if they want to download it uh, and read it. And there's another interesting one that I'm really uh, happy about. And I think people will really find interesting. It's called the virtuous cycle. It's a simple PDF with the 24 hours of living the seven principles and kind of shows you from morning till night uh, what happens when you put together all of these principles into a 24 hour period. And that's really what we're trying to do, Eric. We alluded to it earlier that we're not trying necessarily to to shoot for future results, but shoot for a great day. If we put together enough great days, the future results will come naturally. You said that earlier about weight loss. It should be a natural thing. And, um, and I, and I agree with that. And uh, we've had some back and forth here and different ideas and maybe, but, but overall, I think that we both agree a hundred percent on that, that if, if everyone listening just put together enough healthy days, that they don't have to worry about the future because it will naturally be a healthy future. So also they can use the the discount code insider, to get 15% off any products at dirobi.com.
0: Awesome. And what I'll do is, when we release this, I will make a whole show notes page for you and we'll put all that stuff in there, all those links and that insider um, promo code, and people can save themselves some money. And I really hope uh, the people listening and uh, watching go check you out. Cause again, I think, you know, I think you have some really uh, great insight into how to help people really get to the root cause of their, um, of their health and wellness challenges. And, uh, and it's been a pleasure talking to you, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on the show. It's been great. Absolutely. And viewer listener again, go follow Dave on all of his socials and on the interwebs. And if you enjoyed this, remember to give it a big thumbs up, subscribe if you haven't yet, and head on over to holisticnootropics.com to learn more until next time. Peace. Thanks for listening. For more brain-boosting info, in-depth articles, and show notes, check out Holisticneutropics.com.